0: Hi, I'm Rui Branco. Welcome to Talking Use Work, a podcast brought to you by the Future Labs project. Talking Use Work is a series of 15 podcast interviews to use work experts and practitioners that have a say when it comes to innovation in use work, either because they are using creative methods to empower young people, researching on use trends, or responsible for use policies at international level. Like a shot of inspiration, all of our guests have a unique point of view about how can news workers shake up, upgrade, and innovate on their daily work.
1: Hi, my name is Anita Silva. I host this podcast together with Rui, and today we bring you a very special episode with Stefan Schozo. And I already apologize to Stefan for misspelling his surname, which I probably just did. Um, Stefan was with us talking about game-based learning and he uses digital games to engage young people into educative activities in pedagogical conversations about interesting topics such as even history or understanding conflicts or others. So there's a lot of ideas on how to use digital games in your daily youth work. He also left us a link to a page which is unfortunately for many of us in German, but you can easily see a lot of different methods there and you can use Google Translate to help you navigate. Um, Also, it was very interesting to hear about how you can use games that were not designed as educative games in pedagogical settings and how you should not be afraid to have these conversations and to ask questions to the people that know more about digital games nowadays, the young people themselves. So if you're ready, let's start talking youth work.
0: Hi, uh, uh, Stefan Schultel uh, yeah. is our guest today, and um, we, we in this uh, podcast we usually like to also know a little bit of the background of our guests. So we would like to know how you uh, get got in- interested in use work and game based learning. Uh, what were the the origin story of the superhero?
2: Ah, uh, um, so. I, I studied to become an IT professional or something like that, but uh, then started um, a course in social work. So I'm a traditional social worker in Germany over here. I studied in all, um, but I soon realized that the, the media literacy of my colleagues and clients are is really awful to be honest and uh, so i got invested in the topic of media education and um, stuff like that with cyberbullying is a big part of this whole system and topic in schools especially and then there were games and i personally always played games, always was interested in games, everybody played them, but nobody talked about them, nobody used them, and uh, they were always seen as this game. It's just hedonistic fun for yourself. You can play it, you have fun, but there's nothing more than or value in them. And I found that very sad and uh, realized with a few colleagues and texts and studies that you can use games for a greater purpose and so I started using them.
1: But when you talk about games in this case, you mean online gaming?
2: Yeah, um, mostly online games but also analog games, uh, even classical go-outside-and-play games. Um, But uh, um, analog games um, are valued in society quite a bit. And digital games are like stigmatized for a whole lot of reasons. And, uh, and you don't have to um, be very per- per- pers- Persuasive, Yes, yeah, this one um, to uh, get the teacher or parent to play a game outside with children. Yeah, all everybody's happy. But um, if you want to use a digital game, even on a PlayStation or something like that, um, yeah, that's. Problematic.
1: Right. And why do you think that it is? Why, why is there this, this prejudice on on pe- kids Video playing games. too much? You know, this is what you hear. Pe- pe- kids are always on their PlayStations. They play too much. They'd learn nothing. Where does this come from?
2: Well, that's a whole lot of reasons. Um, one of them might be um, it's new. A lot of parents uh, never played games for themselves. And new is bad it was with comics with movies uh, rock music everything new is bad um on the other thing is uh, maybe a lot of games are marketed as uh, games toys for boys a lot of uh in many times uh, with a lot of violence and aggression and war and stuff like that um and that's sad because Games are quite a bit more than that. But if you look at uh, just the advertisement, you only see war destruction and maybe f- soccer or football or whatever.
1: That's true. Yeah. So I, th- I think the media there also play a little bit of a role or at marketing, I would say, maybe not the medium at marketing, because it's exactly the, the biggest face of online gaming that you see is exactly like you said, either football or games. yeah. 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 So you you talked about this thing, which is media literacy in the end, right? It's um, how much do we actually know about what goes on online and how it works, etc. How do you see that in the youth field, uh, in the professional youth field? Do youth workers, social workers, um, what are they missing in this field? Because you said you feel that a lot of colleagues don't have media literacy.
2: It's it's complicated. Uh, In Germany, we have some other um, terms. Mm-hmm. We use we have media literacy as um, and uh, um, well we use media literacy as an English term. Mm-hmm. Um, we have also a term for uh, film literacy mm-hmm. in the film studies, and um, well we have Dieter Bach, If you ever heard heard of him, no, it's uh, media competence. He has a, a model of uh, four basics. Um, you have to um, succeed to use media, to understand media, to uh, critical think about media and stuff like that. And as, as this model of uh, media literacy isn't taught in most courses or studies. Um, it's, well, it's media education. It's very special and you have to look for it to know it. Um so a lot of colleagues never have contact with uh, media as a tool if you go to a high school or university uh, university and um you mostly get uh, theater work or film work maybe radio work but games aren't there it's mm-hmm. not um there
0: sure sure yeah uh, people associate gaming with uh, not learning just like you said just fun Uh, yeah uh, when when could you please explain what is game-based learning and how can people uh, start to change the view that they have regarding games as just fun Uh,
2: there are two steps um one is to understand uh, games as a tool you can use games as a vehicle, as a tool to teach something. Right. Um, a lot of things. It's, it's, it's really f- interesting. You, you can teach um, language-based, math-based, science-based, cultural-based stuff, um, all those games. And um, you don't need educational games for that. You can use a lot of entertainment games. You want to talk about history in something. You have uh, the paradox titles like you know, Europa, are you, are you, are you, are you Europa, Europe, Universalis, yeah.
1: mm-hmm.
2: yeah. 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 Um, Civilization games, uh, Total War series, and um, or Assassin's Creed, um, to talk about history and culture and stuff. Um, you want to talk about something um, interesting like Essex in games, you have The War of Mine, Life is Strange and Heavy Rain or whatever. There are a lot of games you can use to teach something and use a game as a tool for an ed- uh, educational purpose.
1: So you don't need to look for games that were developed to teach whatever, human rights or something else. You can actually use other games if you know them well enough uh, to bring in these topics into the room and have a conversation about it.
2: Yeah, um, so you, you can use educational games if they are made uh, good, but a lot of educational games in the past times, especially before the last five years, are really bad, they're more like um, hostage games where you take a student hostage to learn something and then he may play a game for a few minutes before he have to learn and study again. It's like a
1: PowerPoint in disguise.
2: (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's, it's not fun yeah okay, it doesn't work as a game. Um, but in the last few years, they came out a few games, serious games, educational games, you can call them whatever, um, which function as a game like a good game. Mm-hmm. They are fun to play, and they're made so you learn something while you're playing them. Um, and those are great, but there are a lot of entertainment games uh, like the civilization series, for mm-hmm. example, where you play and learn while playing that game.
1: Right. And what makes a good game?
2: A good game is fun, especially. Mm -hmm. Um, What fun means is is a really complicated question. Um, I like to use uh, movies as an example. So there are a lot of great movies you like to watch. You watch them and say, "Eh, what's a great movie? But some of them aren't fun. Like uh, Sinter's List, it's a great movie. But nobody saw that movie and said, yeah, that just was a fun movie. And uh, that same goes for games. Um, but a, a long time, um, games were made to be fun, just fun. And a lot of potential was missed, therefore. Um, but in the last few years, there came games that aren't really fun to play, but are interesting, are engaging to play. Yeah.
1: Right. Right. So I that sup- the engagement part
0: is important. Yeah, I suppose yeah. that the challenge has to be... Uh, put in the game he has to be he has to challenge our skills uh, to to be interesting
2: yeah the, the, the challenge doesn't have to be you have to be that good you don't have to play dark souls or whatever um you have to be engaged in some form or another and that may be a game like um gun home where you run around the house and find out who you are you and have fun with it
1: right right um Stefan, you work, you use games with young people, correct? Yeah. In what setting, in what setting do you work where you use these games?
2: Um, so mostly I work in a uh, youth center mm-hmm. with uh, media educational focus. Okay. And uh, the students, clients, uh, visitors are free to play. Okay. While they're there, we don't have a kicker table or soccer table or billiard table or something like that. We have a few computers and gaming consoles, mm-hmm. and they are allowed to play and use them. And uh, sometimes we try to make projects or engaging uh, some topics with them while they're playing. Right. That's the baseline. And, and, what, and thing, what ages
1: I, are we talking about?
2: Uh, Ten to twenty-one.
1: All right. All right. It's a big spam. Yeah. yeah. And do they go there a lot? Is it? Do you have a lot of uh, youngsters coming in?
2: Yes. Um, we have like uh, 15 unique visitors mm. overall and like uh, 20 at the time, at one time. All right, all right. Every day. Mm-hmm.
1: And when you say that you use, so you engage them in some activities that are more. Edu- educative activities or pedagogical activities yes. using this game. Can you can you give us some examples so people that don't use it can see the the utility of it? Or
2: um, so last week we um, made a little project using the Assassin's Creed Discovery Tour, mm-hmm. um, where they had to find out something about bathing houses and uh, the history and context in society in ancient. Egypt Society of Bathing Houses, Mm. using the SSC Discovery Tour. Um, Or um, the Union Twine, Mm -hmm. it's a storytelling software or framework. You can make easy text adventures with it uh, without knowing anything about coding. Um, And we sometimes do little projects like a part of the kids uh, starts a story Mm -hmm. and then the other group finishes the story. Okay. As mm a text adventure. So you have two groups um, with which exchange the project halfway through.
1: So they're using these digital tools, games or different apps, if I understand well, to either collaborate or discover new information um stuff like well the regular stuff of youth work let's say the more classical yeah yeah
2: but true on- yeah, creative work
1: yeah yeah
2: that yeah. sounds or a big tool is, is minecraft to talk about um art for example it's a really fun game uh in germany we had a TV show in the 70s called montagsmaler mm-hmm. um, monday painters um mm-hmm. where it's it's like charades or well whatever this game is called anywhere else um it's where one group gets an uh, work and have to paint it and the other group have to, uh, has to guess what it is. Right. And gets points for it. And this in Minecraft was building something.
1: Ah, okay. So they have to build something and the other group has to guess what it is.
2: Yeah. <laughs> it's- really simple and it's great fun for everybody. And you can talk about abstraction of art, uh, simplification because in the reality you have a lot of round things and Minecraft especially doesn't like round things. So you have to transfer your ideas in another mindset, you have to abstract them, you have to think about it in a new way. And can learn something by you have fun.
1: Right. And do you do you have a conversation in the end about this with the young people? Or uh, do they automatically talk about it during the game? How does
2: it happen? Um yeah, um sometimes you have to do be the the good old social worker and ask them. Mm-hmm to think about something but a lot of times they think for themselves. Yeah. Uh, one of the f- oldest projects uh, I've done is about gender and games and uh, sex and games mm-hmm. um, where the, the f- it's, it's made in three steps. The first step is you have to uh, rate characters for realism, sexiness, appealingness um, and well... German words that are really long. <laughs> for
1: so you have to rate attributes. some characters, yeah?
2: genau you know, uh, yeah. And then in the second step, um, you have to rebuild the character right. in a game engine, like in the character editor of World of Warcraft or the Skyrim game mm-hmm. or Saints Row or whatever, whatever you want to use, some character editor in the other gender. Mm, so you okay. have a gender band or gender switch in it. Right. And um, I had some, I guess it was 17, 16 years old group, um, which tried to gender band or gender switch Duke Nukem. And uh, they got the really great problem that uh, what is the female version of Duke? Because Duke Newton is this 90s masculinity m- monster guy.
1: Which guy is and this one? Because you're saying this character, but we're not...
2: Uh, Duke. We're... Duke Nukem. Duke, 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 Duke Nukem.
0: Ah, ah okay. okay.
2: Yeah. sunglasses tank top muscles uh, testosterone and a lot of testosterone Uh, this 90s idea of manliness um, how do you make him female Mm -hmm. that was a question especially young man had and they came up with a lot of interesting ideas one of them was like if he's this 90 embodiment of masculinity with muscles and the blonde hair and the sunglasses and the rudeness and stuff Mm -hmm. then the female version should be maybe the this blonde Baywatch girl yeah. Yeah. with a big silicone press. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but then they had the idea, maybe the, the it's Duke really as a female with muscles and also the short hair and the sunglasses as this uh, trope of a lesbian. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, yeah.
2: The aggressive guy. Or maybe they had the idea to make him a valkyr. So the, this Nordic goddess of war. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What is female cube and um, they talked about it and realized sex is something gender is something different Uh, it's not that simple to change the sex or the gender of um, a character
1: that's really good that's really interesting too because you can really bring a lot of deep conversation topics into this and bypass all the prejudices if As if you were talking about humans, right? Like not if you're talking about real people, I don't know, actors or people, celebrities or whoever. It's easier for them to kind of feel these dilemmas if it's uh, in a game, in a character of a game that they need to transform somehow. So that kind of brings the conversation to a different level immediately.
2: Yes. And the best part is I didn't have to say anything to them. They figured it all out by themselves
0: that that was That's i was going to ask you is can have- yeah the 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 degree of intervention that the, the the facilitator has to have when using games if we can abstract from intervening and let the the kids learn by themselves or how how do you do that
2: um it depends on the topic if you talk about gender and gender representation uh, you don't have to talk a lot about it mm. because if you you uh, uh, study it or um, do something in this top field, um, you just realize there are a lot more uh, male characters in games than females. Mm-hmm. You just see it, so you don't have to say anything, um, especially to say there. Look, that's the problem. Mm-hmm. Um, if you look at characters, you see there's a problem. Right. Well. And um, if you have like a specialized field, if you want to to teach something about uh, science or something in this direction, you may have to be more hands-on because um, if you want to teach something objectively um, scientific, Mm -hmm. there's not a lot of um, well maybes, so there's more like this is a way, mm-hmm. but games can help to understand something. Like if you talk about uh, physics, the, the game Portal is really great. You can try a lot of physics stuff in the editor of Portal and have an hands-on experience with gravity. All right. And you can't have an hands-on experience with gravity outside falling, and it hurts really bad. So you don't do it. But right. in a game, you can try totally crazy stuff And it works. And you can see, okay, this is a wormhole. And in reality, there aren't really much wormholes, as far as I know.
1: (laughs) Not many in (laughs) classrooms. But in classrooms sometimes, (laughs) no. Um, What I wanted to ask you, uh, as a a youth worker myself as well, um, one question that pops into my mind is, do these games end up appealing more to boys than girls. Uh, do you feel this in reality, that you end up having more of a male audience for this kind of methodology than a female one?
2: That depends on the games, mm-hmm. on the genre. Gen- Genres? Genre. On, the, on the type of game. Yeah. Yeah. Genre. Um, so the shooty-shooty the, the FPS games, first-person shooters, are targeted as boys. And there is... Uh, more boys play them than something else but in games like world of warcraft or um fantasy rpg storytelling games there you have like a 50 50 boy girl ratio hmm. you know ratio and um if you look at the the numbers uh, studies from the big company uh, company um like a uh, game um the <sighs> Group of publishers. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh
1: uh-huh. Yes. Okay.
2: Country interest group of publishers. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know how to translate it. Yeah. Or in the USA, it's the uh, Electronic Software Alliance. I think. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um They say like um, there are more female gamers than male gamers if you account for mobile games.
1: Oh, okay. Right. Okay. Okay. So it's quite well so divided you, nowadays, it's, it's, anyway.
2: Yeah, if you use PC games, uh, console games and mobile games, you have a lot of female players. If you cut out the mobile games, um, you have a bit more male players. Mm-hmm. And if you uh, cut out the console games and only use PC games, you have more male players.
0: Okay. Mm-hmm. And for example, do, do you challenge the, the youth that you work with to uh, create their own games from learning from other games
2: uh, yeah, we, we heard um, some projects um, in cooperation with a uh, local game developer where they uh, learned the basics in Unity and made something. Mm. Or used uh, Twine for an, a text adventure. You can get really complex set of text adventures with it If you use all the possibilities you have, it's really interesting. Uh, like Zoe Quinn's Depression Quest mm-hmm. a few years ago was made with Twine. It's a really powerful tool at the end. Okay. Um, or RPG-maker games.
0: Uh, do, do so you... they are... oh, continue, continue. Sorry. Yeah. No, no, continue.
2: <laughs> yeah, is, um, there are a lot of easy tools to make games nowadays, um, which don't need a lot of knowledge about coding. So you can make simple, fun games with kids in one or two days.
0: Yeah, I, I was uh, going to ask you... Uh, How do you how do you feel that, for example, VR, uh, virtual reality will change the dynamic of the games and also the learning experience? Because from what from what I feel is that VR isolates you a little bit more instead of the game that you're playing with other players, for example, a board game. What do you think will be the role of uh, virtual reality in games?
2: i don't think we are is going away um but uh due the cost and the place you need um i don't think it gets mainstream anytime soon or ever but um, argument reality or mixed reality or whatever you want to use for a turn mm-hmm. um it's likely to stay i mean like pokemon go is uh, really really successful um but I don't think they fundamentally will change the, the whole game or the whole industry. Um, they're more like an addition, which bring new concepts to the table you can use with more crossovers. Um, for example, the Nintendo Switch um Breaks up a lot of those those stigmas. It's a home console, but you can take it away. You can share controllers. Mm-hmm. You can play augmented reality, but you also can play classical games. I think this this, this idea idea of um, this game has to be like that and like that uh, will break up. You have a lot more of um, shades.
1: Yeah, flexibility probably. Yeah. Hmm. So um, I think this is what you're saying here. A really great, great information and and great method for anybody who is working in the youth field and wants to innovate and wants to engage young people in a different way. taken that they're not afraid of using uh, as youth workers, that you're not afraid of engaging yourself in these new technologies and in a, in the digital world a little bit to engage your young people. But as a as a youth worker that is not using that yet. What would you recommend as a first step into using games and especially digital games um, in their routine? Let's say in their daily activities with
2: young people. Uh, first step: find out what your clientele is playing. Okay. What they like. Right. Um, get them to um, think about it outside of the fun aspect.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, try uh, j- just talk with them. It's easy like that. Mm-hmm. Just talk with them. About games, um, don't be afraid to um, acknowledge that you are totally unaware of anything game-related. Mm-hmm. Um, the kids will teach you anything you need. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of hardware or software you may need for a project or idea you can get. Uh, Why the kids? Just bring your own device. Mm-hmm. Step, um, and especially just do it. You can do can do more than fail. And even if you (laughs) fail, you you use a topic on new interesting field that your clients, um, it's new, it's fun. They are engaged. Even if the project on an educational base is a total failure, your clients will have fun and will do it again. So just do it. Yeah, I,
0: I, w- I was thinking precisely about failing and, and the other day I heard um, uh, uh, a marketer, Seth golden I don't know if you know him, that he was talking about when you lose at, for example, Monopoly, it's not something mm-hmm. that has to do with you. It's just a game that you lost. And do you think that uh, that al- also helps young people? To understand failure as not being something they're they're flawed with, that is just a game, even in real life you can fail and have a new life, like in the game you die and you Mm -hmm. uh, have some more lives and some more energy and find new resources.
2: Yes and a double yes for a reason. Um competitive games got really big in the last few years. The first really really competitive game was um engaged a lot of young people were League of Legends. Um and so you ha- you have a real hardcore rating system. You get points um and It's really, really stressful if you play it competitively. And there you have a lot of 12-year-olds, 11-year-olds who play a game competitively and lose and got got aggressive, got stressed, got hurt and didn't know how to handle it. Because uh, in in society in general, you are older when you get confronted with this amount of stress and uh, competition. (laughs) 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 and that's a problem where I think a lot of parents and youth workers and teachers have to step up and uh, teach children to handle such situations because it, it, it is stressful. Uh, in Fortnite, for example, the mm-hmm. hype game at the moment, if you are the last, uh, last man standing with somebody else and you die, you lose a game really, really close. It's like um, being on a soccer field mm. and fail the final penalty shot and your team loses the finals. Yeah. You're really hurt and stressed, uh, but there's nobody who um, go to the children, claps them on the shoulder and say, it will be better. It's bad at the moment. Mm-hmm. And th- that's a really big problem, the, the stressful situations that came up in the recent years due to competitive gaming.
1: Yeah. So there probably there's also a role for the youth worker um, to, yeah. to help young people deal with this uh, when they use these games and when they use this technology, uh, what comes with it, right?
2: yeah and um i, I studied a bit in this field um talked to a lot of um professionals mm-hmm. inside classical sports because i thought uh, well that's not new you you have uh, youth sports and teams um in for example dfb or the, the german soccer club mm-hmm. whatever um and they told me no uh, classical sports don't care for those problems, even uh, professional sports don't care for this problem and pedagogical an educational or psychological um, under um, under support mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in professional sports it's really really rare mm-hmm. they don't talk about it if as long as you succeed, you don't have problems if you have problems in that, yeah yeah And uh, so this is an especially field where the the competitive uh, games can't learn or shouldn't learn from the classical uh, sports Mm -hmm. because classical sports really messed up this thing. Yeah, Yeah,
1: because Um, a lot lot of of, go ahead.
2: Yeah, no, no. I I was more or less uh, finished
1: Mm -hmm. (laughs) because a lot of times we criticize new things for potential problems they might bring. But there are problems that already are existing and are not being tackled anyway. Like you're saying, uh, the the support that children need throughout growing up and youngsters as well to learn with failure, to learn with pressure, is something that exists before. It's not games who brought that up. It, it was already there and our role yeah. was already needed. And now we have one more vehicle to work around this.
0: hmm yeah. Hmm. And I was thinking as a parent that uh, instead of fighting games, we should uh, be uh, um, aware of what the games are bringing up the surface, the surface, because sometimes when the kid has this or that reaction to the to the game, maybe it's something we can talk about in, in not criticizing the game. The game has nothing to do with it. It's something that yeah. we have to deal with as parents or as youth workers. Hmm.
2: Yeah. For example, if you have a child um, or a youth or an adult or whatever um, who plays too much, like all time, every time, um, he doesn't play all the time because he, he's addicted to this to a game. You can't can't really be addicted to a game. But there really might be something that person will wants uh, to avoid, like yeah. and humility and things and. The game is uh, the the tool he or she uses to escape from something. Um, The same way with trucks. You don't use trucks uh, or have a problem with trucks because they are trucks. You have a problem with trucks because you have a problem you don't want to handle, so you use trucks to don't handle your problem. This is the game with games. Mm -hmm. And uh, with games, it was a lot easier for most people to claim them because it's easier to blame games and something which is weird and new Mm -hmm. as then um, to Ask okay, what's what's the big problem? Because that's a hard question.
1: Yeah, yeah. That, these are the difficult questions, and and games can be one more vehicle to reach out to these questions and to use them to discuss these issues. A few years ago, it was yeah.
0: television. <laughs> now, now, now it's video games. So,
2: <laughs> yeah, or the rock music, comics. Yeah, yeah
1: exactly, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So before we finish, there is at least two more questions that uh, that are in my mind. One of them is. What are your favorite games now to play with with young people at this this point? What would you say like, okay, these ones and these ones are really, really interesting?
2: I really like uh, local cooperative um, indie games Mm -hmm. to play with children. Just, um, it's not because the the big games are all bad and aren't fun. They they mostly are. But um, I like to play uh, like um, Towerfall Ascendant or Berserkers. So small, fun indie games you can uh, play locally with up to four or more people. Mm -hmm. Um, To show them, uh, to show the children or the the clients, there are more games than you know. A lot of uh, kids only know the few big games and Never look outside of the sphere and miss out a lot of possibilities and fun. So I like to play with children those Indianish games. Okay, something new for them.
1: Very interesting. Very yeah, but probably well for me it would be totally new because I don't play online anything, uh, on, neither online, neither on on my uh, by myself on the on the on the mobile or anything. So these are really good advices.
0: Yeah, uh, I I was thinking uh, that uh, I don't know if you know Jane McGonigal. She talks a lot about the yeah. benefits of video games. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I know her. Is is that a, an argument that you use when you have to, for example, convince other youth workers to use these uh, these methods? That there are studies that prove what uh, the good uh, the good things are with video games.
2: Um. To be honest, no. I think uh, Jane is great, um, but outside of the fields of game studies or media education, uh, it's maybe a bit too abstract or t- too progressive for a lot of people. So you, um, you, you try a more classical approach. You, you use fancy words from science and uh, social stuff to um, get them to try something new. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay.
2: <laughs> A lot of uh, teachers, for example, or older um, colleagues of mine, well, they don't really have uh, experience with computer games and re- don't really like computer games. So you have to trick them to use them sometimes, um, and you have to use their language to do that.
1: True, true. Also, to so people understand better if if they can recognize what you're yeah. what you're saying. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, well. One last question we have here is a very special one because it's a question that we always ask our guests to leave for the next guest. And one of our past guests left this question that I would like to read to you. Ready? Yes. (laughs) So one of our last guests said or asked, for you, what would be the three top skills that will be needed in 10 years? Um... To stay inov- innovative in this field of youth work, so in ten years from now, uh, what do youth workers need to be doing in order to stay innovative? It's a hard one, I know.
2: <laughs> um, first of all, adaptiveness. You have to adapt to new situation, situations. Situations. Right. Um, I've I've seen this so many times. Uh, colleagues of mine as like so the fifty year olds plus um, who never watched a YouTube video in their lives mm-hmm. and. All their clients uh, spend up to three hours a day watching YouTube videos and uh, the colleagues never even watch the video. So you have to be adaptive. Mm -hmm. Uh, You have to stay in touch. Um, Communication skills with clients. Um, Accepting that a client may know more about the topic than you. Very good. That is really hard for some Mm -hmm. people. Especially teachers, I, I like teachers, but it, it, the, the typical classroom situation is I'm the teacher, I teach you stuff.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And if you reverse it, um, it's strange for everybody, even for the students. It's really strange if the student teaches the teacher. Yeah. The teacher is named teacher of the, after all. Mm-hmm. Um, so adaptiveness, communication skills with the, the clients and, uh, and this, this spark of curiosity. Mm. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Just yeah. stay
2: curious. Yeah. Don't get um, bogged down by old ideas or by concepts you really like. They may be great, but maybe there's something better mm-hmm. out there.
1: Mm-hmm. You never know. That's very interesting. Also, because probably when uh, these professionals were young, they were also the ones pushing in for new things. You know, let's use, I don't know, videos in the classroom, which was really revolutionary in the time. So maybe they can connect you no know, right, with that with that feeling of there's something new that has potential. Let's not be afraid of it. Let's
0: explore it and discuss it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So now we would like to ask what question would you leave to another guest? revenge
2: question. <laughs> and, <laughs>
1: and you don't know who is the other guest well we neither so
2: yeah there's I guess the next guest has something to do with gaming also so in this topic field
1: actually yeah there might be one near future that will so yes let's assume that
2: <laughs> oh then I can ask them the question parents ask me all the time and I hate it as much <laughs> as question
1: go ahead <laughs>
2: How long is my child supposed to play each day?
1: Okay. <laughs> how long is a child supposed to play each day? What is, what is the recipe for success?
2: Yeah, or it's like a meter question. Um, oh. How to answer that question? Ah, okay. It's a question parents ask me all the time. And it's really... Yeah, I hate this question.
0: Yeah. <laughs> you have, have, why. <laughs> have you found good answers? <laughs>
2: Uh, yeah, my answer is mostly I don't know your child. Sorry, your parents.
0: <laughs> you figure it out. Yeah, it, 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 it's. I think it's a good answer because uh, it opens to the individuality of the children <laughs> and puts the yeah. focus on the parents to get to know your child. <laughs>
1: And take yeah. a decision. <laughs> Try that, <laughs> or like you said, accept that you don't know everything, and there's and neither do you. Mm. Um,
0: Nobody yeah. knows anything, and there's no recipes for this. Yeah, yeah. Very good. Very good. Uh, thank you very much for the the time that we had here for the the interview, for the the availability that you had to answer all the questions, thank all you the so all much. your insights. It was great. Uh, I think my it's, pleasure.
1: It was really useful. And I think these conversations are needed in the field. So I hope a lot of mm-hmm. workers will will take the opportunity to listen to this and to be a bit more adaptable, flexible. And one of the things that you said I love, which is not to be afraid to ask the young people, what are they playing? And then to use that. That's a bit our role. And I, I really agree with you on that.
0: And not be afraid to not know.
1: Exactly.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just do it. Yeah. Exactly. But uh, don't get sued by Nike for using the slogan. <laughs>
1: I think you're going to get a call very soon. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
2: I don't hope so.
1: <laughs> I don't hope so. Well, thank you very much, Stefan.
2: Yeah, have a nice day. You uh, too.
1: Bye.
0: And that's the end of the fourth episode of the Talking Use Work podcast. A lot of more great guests are coming up, so keep listening. This podcast is funded by the Erasmus Plus Youth Watch program powered by Tim Maes and the editorial board of UMAC University of Applied Sciences, Kari Keuro, Jarmo Roxa and Kristina Vesama, with the support of all the Future Labs partners.